0: Have you ever been in the place where you don't have what you need? I don't mean uh, what you want, but what you really need. Uh, Do you know what it's like to not have enough? Not enough money to keep the heat on. Not enough food to feed your children. Not knowing where the rent is going to come from for this month. To not have enough like that is really awful. You can't know what it's like unless you've been there. I guess that there are only a few of us in this room who know what that's like from experience because many of us in this room will say, no, I have enough, but I also am confident that even if you have all the material needs met, that you also know what it's like to have to be in the place where you do not have enough. I mean the kind of emptiness and hollowness and inner ache that comes from not having enough for your emotional and your spiritual needs. Do you know the kind of poverty on the inside that I speak of? It's a lot easier to hide, but it also is uniquely dreadful. And I, I bet in this moment, in this place, there's at least a handful of you who have come in this morning, and outwardly you have enough, but inwardly you do not have enough. I mean, you know what it's like to live every day anxious and worried because you don't have enough confidence. You don't have the security and trust that a person needs, and it feels like you're standing on quicksand and you're breathing in a room that doesn't have enough oxygen in it. You don't have enough. Or maybe you come in here, and you have carried into this place the kind of loneliness that is like going without enough food. You don't have friendships. You don't have the kind of support from the people who are close to you that every human being actually needs. And so outwardly, you look great, but inwardly, you are impoverished. Maybe you don't have... You don't have enough faith, and you wish you did. You, you've come each week to Renaissance as I've talked about faith, and inside it's like you're you're sitting before a great buffet, and you see the food there, but you've not been for whatever reason permitted to come and eat it, and you're starving inside. Uh, you don't have enough peace. You don't have enough surety in your life. Uh, you lack love, and you wish you had it, and you don't have enough, and it's hard. And so maybe outwardly you have enough, but as I start asking, do you know what it's like to not have enough? Now you're saying, yes, I do. And here I am right now. And maybe not, okay? Maybe you are a person who has enough in both ways, but there'll be a day for you, for all of us, where we meet a spiritual poverty. And what I'm gonna show you this morning, and it is a, it is a message that is, is, is desperately needed by some of you. You all know friends or neighbors who, don't have enough, of what their souls need. What I'm going to show you this morning is how faith trusts God to provide enough. And this is is amazing. Our teacher for this lesson is going to be a widow who doesn't have enough. Okay, she doesn't have enough to feed her child. And, And through her story, what we'll see is how God comes to people who do not have enough Okay, he comes to people who lack the basic necessities, uh, both materially and emotionally. That includes all of us. And what God does is he invites those who don't have enough to trust him with the little bit that they do have so that they can be invited into his mission and see that even the shreds of what they have can be used by God to carry his mission forward and then God provides enough. That's what we'll see this morning. And the story is the story that will show us that not only back then did God invite people to give the little that he had so that he could provide enough, but even today he does that. And here, I'll tell you the outcome of the story before we look at it. And it's an outcome that I believe and hope would be true for us as well. Here it is. That this widow who doesn't have enough ends up giving everything she has. And in a unique way, she plays her own part in God's mission. And we, all of us, are invited to do exactly the same. Not out of our strength, but out of our weakness to allow God to come and invite us to take a step of faith, to trust him, and to watch how he gives enough. This, it strikes me as I share it, this is kind of a heavy message, okay? And and sometimes uh, as I teach, the messages will be more grave. There'll be a little more gravity. That's okay. It is. The truth about our lives is that they're varied. Sometimes we're doing great and sometimes life is really hard. And, and, and I know, I know it, that there are a few who need this to see that even when life is really hard, God provides. Okay, the story that we'll look at is, it's in the book of 1 Kings. And in the 17th chapter of that book, we meet this widow. Before we read and look at the text, I wanna set the stage for you and I'm gonna ask you to use your imagination, okay? We meet this widow at the village gate. Okay, imagine we're there at the entrance to Zarephath, an ancient city. And there, where the dirt road comes into that city, where all of the travelers who are coming or going have to pass, there's a widow, and she is there because people like her, who don't have enough, they stand in places like that so that when travelers see them, they'll have pity on them and give them some food or some coins. But on this day, as she stands there, she's not getting anything. And the reason she's not getting anything is because it happens to be a time of famine in the land. It hasn't rained for a long time. And so nobody has anything to give and no one's traveling to Zarephath, which is in Sidon. It's on the other side of the River Jordan. It's a foreign place. But imagine you see this poor woman there and then right there at at the village gate, along comes a man of God. His name is Elijah. He comes to this place for a very specific reason. It turns out that God has told Elijah that it's time for him to leave the place where he had been and come to this place. And God appointed this meeting between a man of God and a woman who doesn't have enough for a very specific reason. Can you picture it? Let's look at the story as it's told in 1 Kings. Here's how it opens. In verse 8 and 9, here's what we read. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a widow widow there, look at this, to feed you. The time in which this story is told is a difficult time for everyone. Nobody has enough food. Nobody has enough water because there's a famine and God in this time comes to a man, Elijah, a prophet just means someone who listens to God, a man who has faith and tells him, you get up and go away from where you've always lived. I want you to cross the Jordan and go out of God's territory and there you're going to meet a widow and here's why you're going to meet her and this is astounding. You're going to meet her because she is going to feed you. It's astounding because widows don't have Enough, But this is what God tells him. And so he goes and they meet. And they they meet here in verse 10. Here's how it reads. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. So he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. He he, he arrives at the gate, and there is this woman, and she's impoverished. She is gathering sticks. She doesn't have enough. She doesn't have what she needs. And yet, in his own mind, Elijah has this message from God, which is, Go, and this woman that you will meet who doesn't have enough is the one that I'm going to use to keep you alive by giving you food. And Elijah sees her, and recognizing that she doesn't have enough, did you notice what he asked for He just asked for a drink. He can't bring himself to ask her for food. And so he says, bring me some water. Now I want you to look at her response. Actually, she doesn't respond yet. He asks her for water. Look at verse 11. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now she begins to walk away after this strange request from the man of God. You might expect, by the way, that the man of God would come to help her. But instead, he comes to ask her for help. That should surprise us. And, And knowing now as she begins to walk that God has promised to use her to feed him, Elijah gets up the courage and he asks for what he was supposed to ask for in the first place. And he tells her, would you bring me some food? Can you picture... That woman, turning now, having heard this man ask for food from her. It's supposed to be the other way around. Uh, By the way, if you, as I spoke, are able to say in this place this morning, you know, outwardly, I look like I've got it all together, but inwardly, all I have is my needs. And maybe you're sitting next to someone who's in that place. Maybe it's you. Just imagine that in that moment, a man of God comes to you and says, hey, I, not I'm gonna help you, but I need your help. Can you imagine that? That's what happens here. And I want you to see the widow's response. And this is in verse 12. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, she knows he's a foreigner, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug I'm now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die she tells this man of God if you are looking for food you are not going to get any from me because I don't have enough in fact, these sticks in my arms, this is all I have besides the little bit of meal left in a jar and a little bit of oil, enough to mix it up to do what I've planned to do this evening, which is to make one last meal and share it with my son before we both go to sleep forever. It's our last meal. I do not have what you need. I do not have enough. And some of you know what that's like. And some of you, let me say this, maybe even some of you know what that's like materially. And if you've never experienced that, it is dreadful. And and I want you to see this. This is remarkable. Here's the moment where we're going to see God's invitation to this woman to step out in faith through this man of God, Elijah. This is verse 13. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. I have to tell you this. In all of the Bible, do you know that the most common command in all of the scriptures is do not be afraid? It's not be good. It's not follow the rules. It's not work really hard to be good. It's not love others, which is obviously very important. The most commonly repeated command in all of Scripture is don't be afraid. And that's how Elijah begins. Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. Elijah responds to her obvious resignation, to her uh, very reasonable resistance to give him food with a command and a promise. The promise he gives to her from God is this. Trust me, you will have enough. Believe it, I know, and God knows how little you have, but trust me, you will have enough day by day by day. That's the promise that he gives to her, and he also gives her a command from God, and the command, which seems strange, is feed me first. Now, I want you to stay with me here. He's telling this woman that you will receive this promise that God himself will provide everything you need and he's setting that promise after the command of God which is trust God and give me what you have right now. You follow that command and then you'll see the promise. And now she's been put in a very unique position. And here again I want you to use your imagination. Imagine God coming to you in the place where all you have is your need. Okay, I really want you to try this. Whatever your need is, as I talked about not having enough in the beginning, I want you to picture God himself sending someone to you who says, I know know how needy you are, and here's the thing. The very little you have, I require it right now for the mission that I'm about in the world, and I want you to give it to me. You give me that tiny bit you have, and you will have everything you need And I will use what you give me to carry my mission forward. Does that sound insane? I mean, let me tell you historically why this is so unbelievable. At this moment in the history of God's people, Elijah is is the only guy who still has faith in all of God's people. Uh, Those of you who know the Bible well know that after the, the, the people of God move into the promised land and the kingdom of God's people divides into the northern and southern kingdom, The northern kingdom of Israel becomes disastrous as one king after another is increasingly disobedient. It gets to the worst point of all when a man named Ahab is king and he marries a woman named Jezebel. She comes from Sidon, the very place where this widow has grown up. And she has instituted the worship of a foreign God. And all of God's people, they just turn away from the God who delivered them from Egypt and brought them into this land. So there's no faith at all in in Israel except for one man, and Elijah. And now there's a drought. And the only way that Elijah is going to stay alive is if this widow chooses to give what she doesn't have enough of. Do you see how remarkable that is? It means that God has made his entire mission moving forward hinge on whether this woman chooses to step out in faith or not. And she has to step out in faith by giving what she doesn't have enough of. What don't you have enough of right now? Let's think of it, okay? Be honest. Maybe you don't have enough confidence. And so all you have is your fear and your insecurity and your doubts. And imagine God in this moment coming to you and saying, yes, I know how frightened you are. I know better than you do. I see that it's just one shred of confidence that you have, and I'm coming to you in this moment, and I'm telling you that I have chosen to need your confidence for this mission moving forward. Give it to me. I'll make this real. Imagine that you don't have enough love, and I know that some of you come, you're lonely. The people who should love you have turned away, and now God comes to you and says, I know how bitter and broken your heart as I know how you've been harmed, and I can see that it's just this tiny bit of love left. I've come to you in this moment to tell you that I require that little love for my mission going forward. Give it to me, and I promise you, you will have enough. I know that some of you are so busy, you don't have any time, But imagine God coming and saying, yes, I know those few spare hours that you have that seem like they're not enough. I know how little you have, but trust me, I'm coming to you and saying, those few hours which aren't enough, you give them to me instead of the other things you've been giving them to and watch what I do, I'll provide enough. Or maybe it's the little peace that you have, it's the little confidence that you have. Uh, Maybe, maybe you're in that season of life where you lack the strength and vigor and power of youth Or maybe you're ill and you look at your life and you say, I don't have anything, I have no power left. And God comes and says, yes, I know that most of your life is behind you. I understand that. Just a few precious days you have left. They are to me the very thing I need right now for this mission that I still have in the world. Would you give it to me? This is only an unreasonable way to think about God if this story of the widow isn't real But here it is. It stands right in the center of the history of God's people that God decided at one point to make it all hinge on whether this widow would give the last bits of oil and meal that she had to this man who came to her and told her that God had decided to need it. And what it really comes down to is, will she respond in faith? I hope that uh, you were here when this series began and I told you that faith, as we meet it in the scriptures, is trust. That's what it is. It's the decision that a man or a woman makes to trust God, to entrust herself into God's hands. And that's what this widow has been invited to do in this moment, to choose to put herself in God's hands or, or not. And it's what I hope for, and it is, it's what I hope for emphatically for Renaissance Church and for every one of you who listens to my voice this morning, and it's what I hope for for myself, that I would be met by God and that he would challenge and invite me to trust him. To put myself in his hands. And, and here we see that the reason God does it in this moment is he's got a mission that, that he has to carry forward. And in order to do it, he comes to the person, especially where she is needy, and says, You give me the little you have, and you watch what happens. And now let's do it, let's see what happens. Uh, the story, the story continues with the widow's response, and this is in verse 15 of 1 Kings 17. Here's what happens. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she, as well as he and her household, ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied. Neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Elijah. It means in that moment, as that widow was given that invitation to trust, she paused, she thought it over, she went home, and she prepared a meal, and she brought it back to this man of God. They sat together that evening. I want you to picture it. Elijah, the woman, and her son. And together, the three of them shared what would have been a last meal for just two. And they ate, and I'm sure it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. And they sat around that table as the light of the day faded. The day died. But they did not. The next morning they awoke. And as they rose and were thankful for another day, because they had enough the night before, astonished, the woman looked, and there on her shelf were the two jars. And instead of being empty, as they had been the night before, there was enough meal and enough oil for one more go-around. And so, as the afternoon wound down, she prepared a meal again and she presented it to the three of them, and they ate, and the next morning, they awoke, and they were filled again. It went on like this. You, you read it for many days. If you read the story, it's actually two years. For seven more than 700 days. This is how it goes day after day. God, in this moment, is doing something for that widow, and for Elijah, and, and for the boy there, And for us, which if we will see it will be a powerful lesson, here's what it is. God is showing that whenever someone trusts that he will provide, he proves to be trustworthy. And he's doing it in a way, he's doing it in a way that requires that those people there around that table, they cannot trust in the provisions, they have to trust in the provider. That's why it happens one day at a time. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, She doesn't get a whole bunch of oil and enough meal for a couple years and and in that way she can begin to cook and forget about God. No, every day he provides just enough so that she will learn that he is the one who will provide when we choose to step out in faith and trust him with the little we've got. I've told you only a little bit about myself. Uh, in, In the right way and in the right time I'll unfold more of who I am as the days go by. I have lived through not having enough. I have. I've actually lived through it in some sense in both ways. Uh, Materially, and I think even more profoundly because I've lived through both emotionally. Uh, There was a time 20 years back, I was a wreck. Oh, I didn't have enough if you are one of those people who come in this morning and you know what it's like to feel so bleak that you, it, it's really hard to keep going, I'm with you. I've been through it. And I'm here, I'm here for one, because of one fact. It's just a fact. When we choose to trust God, he provides. It's true. And I'll tell you how that is another time. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to grab the card that you received when you came in. And, and there's an image of it up here. On the one side, it says what's true, which is that faith trusts God to provide. The widow at the gate, with, all, with nothing but her needs and enough food for one more night, she shows us it's the truth, that faith trusts God to provide. She shows us what it looks like. And what you, every one of you in this place, is called to, and I believe this. God invites us all to this, to have that same faith. Because we need it. And listen, this is, I don't know why God did this, but because God has decided that that's how he will meet the needs of this world. It's when people who are his trust him that he'll provide and believing that, they choose to give what they have into his purposes. Now, if you look at the other side, there's the truth that comes from a descendant of Abram. If you've been following the the sermons as we've gone along, this story of the widow, it's not the only one. Abraham is someone who God came to and he had to trust that God would give him enough. He didn't have enough vigor in his life. He was old. And if you know his story, you know what I'm talking about. Same for Joseph, same for Moses, same for Caleb, same for a dozen other stories in the scripture up to this woman's point. Over and over again, what we see is that the way it works with God is he invites needy people into his mission to trust him with the little that they have and then he uses that to fulfill his mission, which he makes it hinge on them. Let me give you the the most outstanding example I can think of. Do you know how God came into the world? He was born to Mary, a little girl. Can you imagine that? Did she have enough? No. But now if you look on the other side, you read these words which are true from Philippians, written by Paul. My God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Everything you need, and this is very important, I want to clarify this, not everything you've ever wanted so that you could have your heart's desire And the truth about that way of living is that even if you fill it up, you still don't have enough. That's a bottomless hole. But everything you need to play your unique part in God's mission, God will provide. And and he'll often do that in the place where you don't have enough and he invites you to give what you do have and he will provide every time. And this, I wanna turn now, this is what I believe about all of us here. And I believe this about those of you who I know the staff in this place, and the elders, this is for you. For the volunteers who make it happen every Sunday, for those of you who have gotten to know a little bit over coffee or meals, this is true for you, and it's true for those of you who I don't know at all. When you come into this place, it's true that God is choosing to depend on us all together to make this mission happen at Renaissance Church. It's not just me. It's not. It's me, it's the staff. It's not just me and the staff or the elders or the volunteers. All of us are invited by God and this is how God is going to make this mission at Renaissance work. We are all invited to hear his call, to trust him and to put the little that we have into his hands and watch what he does. I know, I know the moment I start talking like this that in all of us, me included, there are going to be excuses that we make so that we don't actually get involved. You know why? Because trusting God with the little we have makes us afraid. And when we're afraid, we come up with good excuses not to get involved. You know, this widow takes away some of our best excuses. Let me point out uh, three or four of them okay, and and show you how the widow takes them away. Here's an excuse. This isn't gonna be my excuse because I'm a pastor, but others will have this excuse as they come and they'll say, well, you know what? The pastor and the staff can do this, but excuse number one, I'm not religious enough to take any significant part in God's work. That's for people who are more holy, who have been better behaved, who know more about the faith, who have more of a religious background and a commitment to God than I do. That's not for me. Okay, the widow takes that away for this reason. She is in the land of Sidon, that is the center of the cult which worships the God that Ahab, the wicked king, has brought into Israel and which has caused all of the misery for God's people. This woman doesn't know anything about the God of Elijah except that she knows she doesn't know him. She's not grown up with those customs, she's had no relationship with that God over the years, and even still, Elijah comes to her and says, God has made his mission dependent on you. Not one of you in here is as irreligious as this woman is. And if you are, it'd be fun to hang out with you. (laughs) But you can't say, I'm not religious enough for God to invite me because God invited the widow. That's number one. Here's a second excuse. And this one is an obvious one given the widow. Someone in here will say, okay, fine. I don't have enough. I just don't. Pastor, if you knew where I was right now, you wouldn't dare suggest that I should give anything. I've got nothing. And I don't blame you for feeling that. But the widow takes that excuse away as well. She does. What has she got? She's got an armful of sticks. That's it. Enough food for one more meal. That's all she's got. And still, apparently, according to this scene, she's got enough. And you in here may feel, well, I've, I've not got enough. This story takes it away. You have. You've got enough. If she's got enough, so do you. You can't use that excuse. Here's a third one. And this one, I say this carefully. But someone in here will say, okay, fine. You've told me that I, I have enough religiously. I have enough material or whatever it is that I have. I'm just in a really terrible place right now, pastor. I, I can't even feel like I can go on. And you know that every time a pastor stands up to talk in a church that has as many people in this as this church does, there's at least one person who truly says, I'm in such a rough patch right now, I don't even know if I'll be alive next week. It's true. And I don't say it lightly. That's a dreadful place to be. The widow was there. She thought it's my last day. And still God came to her and said, yeah, but you have something which I need. Maybe all you have, listen to this, maybe all you have is your grief and your hopelessness. Okay. God comes and says, yeah, give it to me. Give me all your grief. Give me your hopelessness. Do not try to carry it any longer by yourself. Don't. Just give it to me. And I'm telling you what happens when you do that. I'm telling you because I know it. I know it. When you do that, God God provides and you have enough. And and not only for yourself, God save us from the self-centered Christianity that is just like some great life insurance policy that someone's gonna sell you on Sunday morning so you can feel better than other people. Yuck. I'm serious, this is gross. Can Jesus have ever promoted a religion like that? He gave himself for his enemies. No. No. But you give him even your grief and he'll use it for his mission. Here's the fourth excuse and I get to clear this one up. Some of you will say, okay, fine. If I'm gonna give it, what is my part in this mission anyway? What is it and what's my part? Here, I said this the first Sunday that I stood up here and I'll say this again now and I'll say it over and over again as long as I'm the pastor here. I think the mission for this community is to be a group of people who see Jesus and then show Jesus to others. All of us, That we come to see him, and as we see him, he changes us, and we show him to other people. In order to do that mission, in order for that mission to happen going forward, there is some oil and meal which all of us have, which God is going to ask us to give, trusting him, so that we'll see that he'll provide and carry the mission forward. What is the oil and the meal that we are called to give for that mission? And here's where I'm going to land, okay? What is the oil and meal that God is going to ask us to give for his purposes here so that we can continue to see Jesus in order that we can carry out the mission forward, which is that we can show Jesus, okay? For us inside, I've got two. Time is one and money is another. And now someone's thinking, oh boy, I was wondering when he was going to start talking about money. And I know I know the sad litany of how the church over history and throughout the ages has given people every reason to be skeptical about the moment it starts talking about money. I know the way it's abused people's trust and misused money in a hypocritical and a a shameful way. I understand all that. And still, I can stand here like Elijah stood to that woman and, and say what God needs us to give in this place is our time and our money. Let me say a little bit about each. I'll start with time. Uh, every week I have the pleasure, and it's great, the pleasure of meeting with the staff of Renaissance Church in a room back there for a few hours on Tuesdays. And we always start by praying. I ask them, what is God doing that you're thankful for? And, and you know they bring up you, it's beautiful. And then I ask them, what are you wanting God's help for? And every time, every week so far, it always comes up that we want God's help to have more people who are able to give time to carry out the work of Renaissance Church. And I'll be specific. Time for working with children. Time for working with students. Time invested to become leaders who can carry the burden of of leading and managing small groups. Time for volunteering in all different kinds of ways. And then it always comes up, always, from the staff. Yeah, but I know how little time our people have. Okay, fine. You only have a little. This story says, give the little you have and watch what God does. Money is the second thing. This is a fact. Uh, With all that I know about the way churches have abused money, I also know and understand that the mission here of Renaissance Church will require finances for it to work. It requires money. And I also know, I also know that Jesus, when he gathered disciples to himself, men and women who didn't have a lot, he taught them that That discipleship and walking with him included not only giving their time and their skills and their energy, but also setting aside a portion of the finances they had for God's good work in the world. And because Jesus invited his followers to give, I feel confident standing before you and telling you, not just because we have needs here, but because you need to say no to the temptation that money is your God and put it in God's hands and watch what he does. And what he will do if we do that here, and it will require all of us going forward to be faithful with the money we have, what God will do is is he will make it so Renaissance Church has everything it needs for its mission moving forward financially and, and then some, so that we can begin to dream together about how to use our excess for people out in the world in a way that shines a bright light on God's goodness and love. And that brings me to the second thing, Okay, if we need time and money here, what do we need out there? Here it is. And this is an assignment for all of you who don't work here. Here it is. What the world needs out there, which you are called to give, is the light which comes from simple acts of love. There it is. You are called, you are invited by God to step out in faith and choose to engage this week, this day, in acts of kindness, generosity, in acts of goodness and mercy, in acts of love with the people who are around you so that you shine God's light on his glory. You know, Jesus, uh, in Matthew, Jesus told the disciples, you come to me, I will send you out so that you will be a light like a city on a hill. Do some of you know that? I love that uh, the nickname of Summit is, is the hill city. Is that right? Man, that's good. It is. It should remind us, those of us who live here, who come here, that what we can give out in the world is acts of love. Let me make this extremely concrete and then I'm done. Do you have a kitchen table? Okay, if you do, you have what is needed to give some love. Invite a neighbor or a lonely person or a couple who comes to this church and are just starting out over to your house and cook a meal and love them with your food and your, and your space and listen to them. Do you work in an office where some of the people are having a hard time? So maybe a, a, a colleague of yours mentions offhand that he's going through an ugly divorce and nobody else says anything. Go to that guy and say, hey, would you, would you come, would you let me take you to lunch? And for a half hour, just say to a man, that must be hard. Would you like to tell me about it? And then listen. And love him with your ears. And then at the end, maybe say, hey, listen, I don't know what you believe about God, but I pray. Can I pray for you and do it? I don't know what it is. It may be that, it may be that, that act at your table or, or in your office, but listen, all of you, all of you have enough love and light in you to go out from this place and to let God carry His mission of showing others Jesus forward by a simple act of grace from you to another. I want you to do this picture of the person that maybe God is inviting you to give that to and give it. Here, I want personally, Christian Andrews wants with you to be a man who steps forward in faith, giving everything that I and that we have into God's mission to see what he does together through this place. And I'm gonna ask God to bless that desire in me and to make it burn even brighter. And for you too, I'm gonna ask him to do that in prayer. And would you do that? Would you join me in prayer as I do it? Let's pray together. God, I absolutely love this story of the widow who doesn't have enough and the man of God, Elijah, who has the confidence to come and tell her what's astounding, that is that even the little she had could be used by God to carry his mission forward. I thank you for the, the, the brave example of faith that we see in her. I pray that she would be an example for us to encourage us to have faith. And I thank you also for your provision for her. And through that provision, the sign that you give to us that if we would trust like she did that you will give us enough. I ask that for every person who's in this place today who does not have enough. Uh, For those who do not have enough materially, for those who do not have enough emotionally and spiritually, would you send your spirit now to meet their need? Would you do that? To meet them right where they are and to fill them up so they have enough and then teach them to trust you. And then I ask this lastly for Renaissance Church which is a church that has a great mission, which you've given to it. I pray that all together, we would look at the things that you've given to us, even where we feel we lack enough, and that we would be willing to trust into your hands, even the little we have, and I pray that you would show us through your powerful provision that you've given us just enough. And then I ask that you'd carry this great mission forward through people like us. And I ask for that in the name of Jesus in this place. Amen.